Hello, Cavalier fans. Welcome to the month of the Cavs. Six victories in a row. Five in one calendar week. Two coming on the second night of back-to-backs, including this Chicago Bulls victory and the one against the Wizards. Everything going the Cavs' way. Their next opponent, a real cellar dweller, the San Antonio Spurs. Donovan Mitchell looking more like his former self. Evan Mobley on the ascent. Isaac Okoro still, we have pointed that out many times, thriving. And Karis LeVert dialed in. First game after the trade deadline, finds himself still in Cleveland. Ricky Rubio not playing, and Karis LeVert is a dimes machine. Nine assists and helping lead the Cavaliers to a big win over the Pelicans. One that snapped an 11-game losing streak in New Orleans. Everything seems to be going right. And so, it is no surprise that there are some people who have uttered the phrase, we don't need to do anything. Keep this roster exactly as it is. And to those people, I would say, shut up. What are you talking about? Yes, we may not need to do anything, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't do something. Do you go to a store, buy one, get one free, you purchase the first thing, you leave the second behind? No, you take it. You take the found money. If you found a $100 bill on the ground, would you leave it there? No, you wouldn't. That's stupid. When you go to Costco to get gas, do you go inside and get a $1.50 slice of pizza and not tell your wife because you're a fat, fat, fatty? Of course you do. You do it. Now, for those of you hesitant, there are some names on the potential buyout market that intrigue me. Will Barton with the Wizards, Terrence Ross with the Orlando Magic. Hell, even maybe you want to go of the big route, even though Dean Wade has been very good in his rotation spot alongside Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, but maybe you want to add a Serge Ibaka. I'm not going to sit here and debate the merits of all of those guys, although my preference would be Ross, I think. But why wouldn't you sign one of those guys? Do you want to just hoard all these wins, this incredible undefeated streak in the month of February and share it with no one? These people have played for the Wizards, the Magic, They deserve to experience some joy. And who wouldn't want to sit alongside Robin Lopez? I think you just need to reframe your perspective. Look at it like this. We're cruising down the road. We got a fancy car, a tank full of gas. We're well ahead of schedule. Everything's going great. And you see a hobo down on his luck with his thumb out saying, hey, pick me up. Help me get where I'm trying to go. Do you just fly by him? Splashing puddle water in his face? Maybe. Now, if you're a young lady unaccompanied, perhaps you keep driving. But if you're a man who lives for danger, if you're a man who goes through your day trying to provoke people so you can go, test me, bro, you're not that guy. Well, then I say, open your doors to the hobo. Come inside. And you take off down the road with your newfound companion. We'll call him Tippy Tom, who hopefully will be good company. But if Shit gets weird. Maybe he says some things that make you uncomfortable. You got a big dick, motherfucker. Well then, change of plans. Pull over to the next road stop and you throw him out. And if he refuses to leave, the likelihood is that nobody will miss them. You do what you have to do. You cross that dead hobo bridge when you come to it. Oh well, failed experiment. I want you to look at Terrence Ross like he's a hobo. If he's problematic, we kill that experiment. We dump the body. Nobody will ever be the wiser. But if he's a good companion, good conversation, perhaps, even if he's nothing more than a way to pass hours and hours of time on this quest towards an NBA championship, then I say it's worth it. So, fro podcast listeners, throw open your doors. 
to the hobos of the world. Let them inside. Don't hoard the good vibes. Share them. Make sure that they don't have any family members or people who would come looking for them. And then take advantage of their skills to benefit yourself. And if they stop serving your purpose, kill them. Thank you. On with the podcast. Two hands. That'll bring the house down. Three on the way. Welcome to Fear the Fro, a podcast covering the Cleveland Cavaliers and the NBA with the voice of Fox Sports Radio. Figure out a way to stop it. Listen and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Here it is, my favorite show. And now, your host. His name is Bob Schmidt. Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. We're going streaking six in a row. Can't be stopped in the month of February. And despite the Philadelphia 76ers eking out a win because of a Spencer Dinwiddie logo three-pointer that was released just after the light turned red, which would have tied the game up and sent it to overtime. That could not stop the Cavaliers from doing their job tonight and winning a game despite long odds. Now, I know what you're saying. The Bulls stink. How is this long odds, Bob? Yes, the Bulls stink. Yes, they are the worst three-point shooting team in the league. Yes, they're one of two teams, the Cavaliers being the other, that did not make a move at the trade deadline. And theirs, far more perplexing because now they sit at 26 and 30. They are not performing to the standard that everybody hoped. You know, things are bad when I hear part of the fan base in Chicago clamoring for Russell Westbrook, should he be bought out in Utah. So let's not take it for granted that the Cavs are seven and three on these back to backs because usually your fan base will forgive you, but they have persevered to the game tonight following their victory the Cavaliers now have a league leading 18.1 net rating the next closest competitor the Boston Celtics with a 12.8 the Milwaukee Bucks with a 10.0 again and again I've been told that those teams are on a different level rough weekend for Kendrick Perkins where's Evan Mobley well he's on national television decimating the Pelicans to the tune of 28 and 13 But at least analytically speaking, the Cavaliers all season long with their league leading defense, with their top three to five net rating throughout the course of the season have been right there. And this month is no exception, nor should it be. Six games in the month of February, a 102.6 defensive rating. The next closest team, the Bucks, are a full five points behind that. Offensively, in the month of February over this six game period, they sit as the seventh best offense. So as you can imagine, the first best defense, the seventh best offense, that's going to put you firmly in command. Bigger than just the net rating is that when you look at the standings, the Cavaliers sit just one game back on the Philadelphia 76ers, four and a half games back on the Boston Celtics. Now the Cavaliers, for all their success, winning eight of the last 10, winning six straight, well, the Bucks have ripped off 10 in a row. But the Philadelphia 76ers, they're in the sights. And they now have won a couple in a row as they squeaked out a victory over the Nets, which, my goodness, would that have been great to see Mikael Bridges come back to Philly, a team that traded him on draft day for Zaire Smith and a first-round pick, which eventually became Trey Mann. It got moved around a bunch from Philly to the Clippers to Oklahoma City. But to see him come back to Philly and show out like he did, 23 points on a fairly efficient night in a game which I think most people thought, okay, this is going to be an easy Sixers win. No, it wasn't. They put up a good fight. Now, I'm not particularly worried that either the Nets or Heat 
will run down the Cavs, at least not anytime soon, because it's not just this six-game winning streak by the Cavs. The whole month shapes out pretty well for them, and the whole month for the Philadelphia 76ers looks pretty difficult. With the Spurs ahead of us, plus games later on in the month against the Hawks and the Raptors, you have to like the Cavs' chances of getting through this month, possibly holding the number three seed, because let's just mention what lies ahead for the Sixers. Coming out of All-Star break, they host the Grizzlies, they host the Celtics, they host the Heat, then they go on to face the Heat, and then they go to Dallas to take on Luka and Kyrie, and then they go to Milwaukee to play the Bucks. Those are very difficult games. If the Cavs do their job on the 15th and beat the Sixers, we hold home court over all those Eastern Conference foes at the top of the bracket. We'd have swept the series against the Celtics and the Sixers, and our divisional record is significantly better than the Bucs. At this moment, we're 11-3. and three. They are 7-4. and four. But to the game tonight, bunch of stuff I want to touch on. I, I want to first just take it back to New Orleans, because that was one of the most satisfying wins of the season. The Cavs had lost 11 straight games heading into that evening against the Pelicans, and they came out, and the nice thing was for these last two games, we've now seen a Donovan Mitchell reminiscent of the Mitchell, which we came to expect in the early part of this season. 30 points against the Pelicans on 57% from the floor, and then another 29 tonight with 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and he was credited for two blocks. One was kind of a strip slash block uh, against Zach Levine, but the other was a rejection at the rim against Io DeSumo and all of our guards. It was nice to see Zach Lowe acknowledge that the defensive effort, not just from Isaac Okoro, but from Donovan Mitchell, from Darius Garland, from Karis LeVert, and I think we have seen that after this trade deadline passed. Karis LeVert has strung together two excellent defensive efforts. Now, nobody on the bench was good tonight. If there was a stat that just punched you in the face. It was that the bench was 1 for 19 and 0 for 13 from outside the stripe. Ricky Rubio, 0 for 6 tonight. Dean Wade, 0 for 5. Wade was essentially shut down in the second half, and JB leaned heavily on Ricky Rubio and Karis LeVert, who despite the fact that they collectively shot 0 for 10 from the field, I thought they made some important plays. You got three steals out of Rubio. You got one from LeVert, It was classic Trey, not looking around, had no idea of his surroundings, and Levert just ran up behind him and two-armed snatched it, which led to a transition foul. And then Rubio steals, all on Kobe White plays. One he saved from going out of bounds by throwing it off of Kobe White. Cavs got the ball. Another he picked off, it led to a transition, acrobatic layup by Darius Garland. And the third... It was on a play that looked like an offensive rebound by Kobe White, but he managed to poke it free and save them from getting an extra possession later in the game. So their impact was known despite the fact that it doesn't show up on the box score. And mark this game down as one where you can look at JB, seeing something, making an adjustment, and having it work. Because Dean Wade, it was not his night tonight. He went away from him, and we got better results in the second half. So if you're going to rip him for when things go wrong, you have to at least acknowledge Tonight, things went better. But the fro is the man who I think is the hero of the month of February so far, and we saw yet again. This was his fourth game in a row with over 20 points, and during this six-game winning streak, he is averaging 20 points and 12 rebounds on 75% shooting. 
Now, for comparison's sake, Scotty Barnes, the rookie of the year, in the month of February, he is averaging 37% from the field. So you could double his number, and he's still not as efficient as Jared Allen. Yes, that was a stray. I still got four left. One dead hobo, one dead Barnes. Don't cross me. Now, Mobley didn't have the loudest night. Tonight, statistically, he was much quieter. 14 points, six rebounds. But... I don't put that totally on Evan. A lot of that was just the defensive scheme of the Bulls. They crowded the paint, and and I don't blame them considering nobody on the Cavs could make anything. I almost feel like the Cavaliers shooters had too much space, and they thought their way into a ton of bricks. But Evan did do a lot of his damage with those foul line and foul line elbow jumpers. He knocked down at least three that I can recall. So for whatever struggles he was having getting buckets directly at the rim— He was pretty good from the mid-range tonight and knocked down two three-pointers. And this was a game the refs allowed a lot of physicality. I think the tone was set early. We saw a play where Okoro Euro stepped going to the rim and he got absolutely trucked and there was no call. So for the first time in a bunch of games, Mobley didn't take a single trip to the free throw line. Now, speaking of physicality, Donovan Mitchell, goddamn, is that guy built like just a barrel? 12 points in the fourth quarter, and two of those plays in particular were sheer strength. He caught Derek Jones Jr. with a little left-arm chicken wing action, and then he completely demolished Kobe White, driving towards the rim, pulled up, cashed a 10-foot jumper. It looked like an offensive lineman. I thought I was watching the Super Bowl. So that three-man tandem carried the way tonight, but let's also touch on what we saw against the Pelicans. In that game, We came into the game against the Pelicans, having lost 11 straight in New Orleans, and Mitchell yet again flew out of the gates, 14 points in the first quarter, and the Cavs got two big runs in the first half, which essentially stretched the lead to 20 points midway through the second, and that game wasn't much of a game in the second half. But an 11-0 run early when the Cavaliers were trailing 7-4, that put them up 15-7, and then despite early fouls from Darius Garland, which put him on the bench, And a nice opening quarter from Trey Murphy III. Let's just note that this month, the best two second-year players in the NBA have been Evan Mobley and Trey Murphy III. Trey Murphy III is a plus 12 net rating. The next closest guy is also a Pelican after him, and that's Herb Jones, a 6.9. But Evan Mobley blowing everyone out of the water in February amongst the sophomores at a 19.2. Scotty Barnes, well, he's at a 1. Oh, I shot him again. He was already dead, but fuck it. So to Drippy Dean, tonight was not his night. Friday, I liked the defensive effort against Brandon Ingram, despite the fact that he didn't do much in the box score. I was pleased with Mobley and Allen clearly frustrating Valanchunas. He was upset multiple times. We got another gigantic run in the second quarter as the Cavs went on an 11-1 run to open it, and eight of those points came from Mobley. That game against the Pelicans was one of the better games we've seen from him this season. Obviously, the Bucks game was a high point, but that was his second highest scoring game of the season. And coming into the evening tonight, both these guys, Allen was averaging 20 points, 12 rebounds coming into the night. Mobley was averaging 19 points and 10 rebounds coming into the night. To get 20 tens out of both front court members. Oh, the front court in general. This was a cool stat. In the first half against the Pelicans on Friday night, the Cavaliers' front court, that three-man trio, shot 11 of 12, and 24 of the 35 points in the second half were generated 
by those Cavalier front court players. Mobley dominated to open up that 20-point lead. And tonight, the Cavaliers at one point trailed by 13 points. That makes their 12th win of the season when trailing by double digits. Against that Pelican squad on Friday, they were 11 for 12. Isaac, Jarrett, and Mobley. 23 of the 35 points in the second quarter came from the front court. And Karis LeVert, what a game in terms of filling in for Ricky Rubio as a secondary creator, compiled nine assists, and did all the things you want him to do in creating looks for guys. The ball movement, since we have gone to this tighter rotation, it doesn't stick with anyone. And we are finding offense in random combinations. When you have Osman throwing lobs up to Jared Allen, when you have Dean Wade starting to catch people sleeping on back cuts for dunks at the rim, things are clicking. Now, that being said, I was only half kidding in the cold open. I do think that you should take a look at who comes available in the buyout market. If you can find another reliable shooter as a floor spacer, then maybe you bring him aboard. Dylan Windler, by the way, finally healthy, going to be available for action. I don't know that that changes anything. And that's the thing. Don't mistake me advocating for keeping an eye on the buyout market with advocating for a change in the rotation because I like this rotation right now. I like it even without Kevin Love. There's no harm in just adding a body. Don't add someone who's a malcontent. Don't throw a Westbrook into the mix. But if you can find somebody who's a reasonable three-point shooter who gets cut loose so that they can go try to contend on a team that would have a larger role for them, then do it. And speaking as a lifelong bench warmer, even though I did play basketball, I could say that the more people on the bench to keep me entertained, the better. And if they're also people who never get into the game, then I get a full game worth of banter. It's not broken up by me watching them succeed on the court while I keep my warm-ups on. This is the healthiest we have been in forever this season. We have basically everybody available for us now. Mitchell and Love. Those are essentially the only ones you can say are nursing some injuries at the moment. But Mitchell, by the time the All-Star break is done, I'm hoping he'll be fully recovered from all the groin issues. He looks damn near fully recovered now in these last two games. So a short week ahead, just two games before the All-Star break, and things are humming on the Fear the Fro podcast. I want to thank everybody for leaving reviews, for leaving ratings, for sending feedback, for emailing bob at fropod.com. Last week, you may recall, I gave a bit of a speech about the importance of reviews and how lots of reviews give the illusion that I'm a respectable podcast and help me lure people in to be guests. So somebody stepped to the plate and did their part and left a review. And I just want to read this one because I enjoyed it. It's from AC underscore zero seven and it reads as follows bob schmidt is some nice young men his music is both pleasant and offensive whatever he lacks in technique he more than makes up for via his enthusiasm bob is the one who lets them know well thank you ac underscore seven indeed i do let them know this is the fear of the fro podcast we'll be back with more where is my clothes get me the clothes This has been Fear the Fro. If you like the show, subscribe and rate wherever you listen. Our guy, Bob Schmidt, always gets a reaction out of it. Join us next time for more Cavs and NBA coverage.